Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. We are dancing in the light of love. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, 
O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When you think of the 20th century artist Andy Warhol, what do you think of? Chances are that colorful Campbell soups, soup labels might come to mind or repeated images of Marilyn Monroe, Monroe. Warhol has become synonymous with pop art and postmodernism, the pinnacle of secular culture. But in the last decade of his life, he was at work on a series of depictions of the Last Supper. Warhol's more well-known art, with its focus on pop culture and the implication of a rejection of the sacred, would seem to be at odds with this deeply meaningful scene. But perhaps that paradox was exactly the point for Warhol. A few months after his death on February 27, 1987, the magazine Vanity Fair published an article by Warhol's friend, the art historian John Richardson. He stated, you never understand Andy Warhol unless you know that he came from a very religious Ukrainian Byzantine background and that he remained a churchgoer and a religious person throughout his whole life. Some of Warhol's Last Suppers resembled his earlier work with advertising logos superimposed over Da Vinci's Last Supper or blocks of translucent color over the famous scene. And some of his Last Supper pieces were sketches of Jesus and the disciples and the table. In one of these original sketches, the disciple sketched between two images of Jesus seems to resemble Warhol himself. It seems like Warhol was picturing himself in the story. It might seem like a paradox for this icon of secular culture to place himself at the table with Jesus, but actually it gets to the heart of the story and what it means to be human in relationship to God, what it means to now be as human persons living in this age, the body of Christ. It's where we meet Jesus in his passion today. Throughout the season of Lent, we too have been picturing ourselves in the story of Jesus. We've been pondering what it is he is asking us to risk, what we're being asked to stay awake for, and what we're being asked to do. In today's scripture, we come to the scene in what is known as the Garden of Gethsemane. The Last Supper has just taken place, and Jesus and the disciples leave the room, heading for the garden. On the way, Jesus predicts Peter's denial of him, and Peter denies that he would ever deny Jesus. But we know what happens later. Once in Gethsemane, Jesus says to the disciples, sit here while I pray. And then taking Peter and James and John, he walks further into the garden, saying, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Then Jesus goes deeper into the garden to what we might imagine is the heart of the garden. And then he falls on his knees, praying and saying, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but thy will be done. What a scene 
of incredible pathos. Jesus knows that without an intervention of some sort, he will die. He knows that actions have been taken by Judas, by the chief priests, by the Romans, that will lead to his imminent death. But he also knows that God, in God's almighty power, can prevent his death if God so chooses. And here we are presented with the first paradox of the garden. Jesus, as also fully God, has the power to prevent his own death too. But instead of emphasizing his own power, his own divinity, Jesus occupies the fully human dimension of his nature and says he doesn't want to die. This is not a death after a long life well lived. This would be an untimely death of a man in his early 30s with much more he could have done on this earth. It would be an unjust murder. There were many good and compelling reasons to prevent it. And so why doesn't Jesus, as fully God, act to prevent his own death, his own murder? Well, if Jesus had acted to prevent his own death, he would not have been fully human. None of us humans can control the moment of our own death, nor can we control the actions of others, nor can we take away their free will. The idea that we can control things, that we as humans are as powerful as God, is what keeps us trapped and in fact dead while we are alive on this earth. Though Jesus came so that we might live and live fully, and know that God accompanies us in all facets of life, the second paradox of the garden is that he also showed us that to truly live, we need to die to self, to our own attempts to control, to our own attempts to make things happen that we think should happen. So what does dying to self really mean? It's a phrase you've probably heard. It's used by Jesus in other, in other points in our holy scriptures. It's used in the Christian tradition. It's used in the Buddhist tradition even. To die to self is to let go of our attempts to control and to let God be fully God. It is to recognize as the first and second steps of the 12-step state that we are powerless over temptation and that only a power greater than ourselves can restore us. It is to pray and act with faithful abandon, trusting that God is always influencing us all for good, in spite of our own actions and in spite of our abuse of our good gift of free will. God is always working out God's purpose through history and through us. It's no coincidence that this scene takes place in a garden. The Garden of Gethsemane is a mirror to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, self-consciousness is born when Adam and Eve act in ways in which they attempt to affirm that they are more powerful and more all-knowing than God. The power of ego is then seen charging through history, wreaking havoc and destruction and suffering from, 
from Cain who slew his brother to King David who struggled to figure out what was his own desire and what was God's desire, to even Peter who is in the garden with Jesus, unable to put his own self-interest aside when it mattered the most. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, the fully human Jesus shows us what it means to put our whole trust and our whole selves in God. And in so doing, to ultimately be released to live. This is how dying leads to living. It is a paradox that has been lifted up through the ages, not just by Jesus, but also Buddhist teachers such as Thich Nhat Hanh, maybe even Warhol, as his repetition of images and colorful overlays lifted up the immateriality of things and scenes, the idea that finally these things and selves are all part of a conventional reality that is ephemeral and fleeting and nothing compared to the ultimate reality of God who has been and is and will be forevermore. Thich Nhat Hanh has said, I don't think that the self has to die because there is no self to die. The self is an illusion. It is not reality. In Buddhism, when someone is in a state of enlightenment, they are said to have woken up. In this state, there is consciousness that has released the controlling power of self and ego. It is a state of being that stops grasping, stops trying to protect and to control. It's interesting to me that Jesus repeatedly asks the disciples to stay awake, to be present. And so what Jesus is really asking them to do is to put the controlling aspect of their egos, their selves, aside. But the story tells us that they fall asleep. Jesus says to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The third paradox of the Garden of Gethsemane is the nature of this temptation. The temptation is to hold so tightly to what we think life should be that it makes us less than human and ultimately does not allow us to live fully or to live as a full and vibrant and connected human community. This is an important teaching for us as we prepare to come out of pandemic mode of lockdowns and crisis and return to more freedom of movement, to having some plans to interacting. But if we grasp onto what was before the pandemic and insist that post-pandemic life must look exactly like pre-pandemic life, we are in danger of putting ourselves in a second lockdown, looking for something that can never be fully the same again. As we come out of this pandemic, we will be confronted with paradox and pain as well as the invitation to live again. The temptation will be to run away from these things, but Jesus in the garden shows us that this is actually the marrow of real life. The world has changed in the last 12 months and so have we. What is the same and what will always be the same is God. 
God's presence and God's goodness, God's accompaniment and God's promises. And that's not to say that God is not moving and reacting and changing in some ways with us, but God's presence, God's eminence, God's love and God's care and God's vision for the world that will be and is and comes to us forevermore. In the weeks and the months to come, will we risk facing this temptation of self and ego and control? Or will we stay awake with Jesus? May we open ourselves to what is, dying to self, letting go, and being present with Jesus in the garden, saying to God, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or 
you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Thank you.